0: This is a headgum podcast.
1: Today's episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast is brought to you in part by. Brought to you by the Academy Award nominated movie about three extraordinary women who never gave up and made history. Hidden Figures, starring Taraji P. Henson, Octavia Spencer, and Janelle Monet. Own a piece of history. Hidden Figures, now available on Digital HD blu-ray and dvd welcome to our new podcast misty nights uninformed afro the new podcast series will dive into the origin stories character development and story arcs of our favorite black superheroines and characters in comics these are the obscure stories you don't always hear about and we share commentary on some of our favorite moments in comics. We're going into deep discussions about Storm, Misty Knight, Monica Rambeau, Vixen, Amanda Waller, Rui Williams, Lunella Lafayette, and the Dora Malache. The series has two hosts, founder and managing editor of BlackGirlNerds.com and host of the BGM podcast, yours truly, Jamie Broadnax, And Stephanie Williams host of The Lemonade Show. Each episode will reference comic book issues, dates, and creators. That way, you can go back and check out the stories for yourself. By the end of the series, you will become a certified expert in the fictional world of black superheroines. Please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. See you soon.
2: Shannon, cg lauren and mel form the nerds of prey a group of ladies bonded by comics gaming film television and fandom culture hang out with them bi-weekly as they dig into the very things that make them loud and proud nerds available on itunes soundcloud stitcher radio and google play also check out their patreon at patreon.com backslash nerds of prey We've all all been been to cons cons with diversity diversity panels.
1: Now, with your help, we will be able to go to a diverse con with inclusive panels and so much more.
2: Universal FanCon will be a con for the fans, by the fans. With With a a focus focus on on diversity diversity and and inclusion.
3: inclusion.
1: We're reaching out to fans from all levels of fandom. From the shining Halo ring array to the twisted mind of Jigsaw.
2: From the hallowed halls of Hogwarts to the inseparable Ehrlich Brothers. This This con con will have something something
1: for everyone. everyone. We're calling on our fellow fans, disabled fans, LGBTQ fans,
4: Native American, Asian American, African American, Latino American,
2: and all the other groups that coexist within this vast universe of fandom. We We ask ask you you to go to www dot Universal Universal Fan con, con dot com, com.
1: again that's www dot dot com and support the con we've all been waiting for thank,
5: thank you. you hi I'm Melody Cooper director of the Sound of Darkness and you're listening to Black Girl Nerds podcast.
4: Uh, my name is Tanahasi Coates, I write
5: for The Atlantic, and I am the writer on uh, Black Panther right now, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds
2: Podcast. Hi, I'm Vincent Jerome, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. This is Theo Rossi, and you're listening
3: to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hi, I'm Sujata Day, I'm playing Sarah on Insecure, and you're listening to Black Girl Nerds Podcast.
2: I'm Dee Watkins, New York Times best-selling author of The Cook Up, and a B side, you are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Reggae
6: Jean Page. I play Chicken George in Roots, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast.
7: Hey, 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 you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm Dr. Andrea Pennington, integrative physician, acupuncturist, meditation teacher, and sex educator. And guess what? I'm the author of The Orgasm Prescription for Women, 21 Days to Heighten Pleasure, Deeper Intimacy, and Orgasmic Bliss. Keep listening.
1: Podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. This episode is titled Rally Richie, Black Ink, and Ernie's Trio. Three segments. In our first segment, we invite the one, the only, Rally Richie. You also know him as Jacob Anderson. Or you may have heard of him. He plays the role of Grey Worm on HBO's Game of Thrones. He chats with us about his music career and he geeked out with us a little bit. So we talked about the latest Thor trailer and about comic book movies in general. That segment is hosted by yours truly, Jacqueline, Kayla, and Kendall. In our second segment, Jessica does a one-on-one interview with creators Craig Ripon and Faith Ripon. They're doing a new film called Black Ink, People of Color in Comics, and they've got a Kickstarter going. So they're going to give you all of the latest information about this film that they're trying to raise money for. And we've got less than a week to go. So definitely check out that segment. In our third segment, we bring back, this is his second time on the Black Girl Nerds podcast, the legendary Ernie Hudson. Ernie is a busy guy. He's got three projects that he's working on currently, which includes APB on Fox, Grace and Frankie on Netflix, and Graves on Epics, And he's going to talk about all of those. He does it in a one-on-one interview with Karan. So that's our show. Fully packed. Great guests. Great projects. Hope you enjoy it. And please continue to spread the word about the Black Girl Nerds podcast. And if you're ever interested in supporting us financially, you can go to patreon.com forward slash blackgirlnerds. So thank you so much for tuning in to BGN 111. Rally Ritchie. Black Ink, and Ernie's Trio. Enjoy. Jacob Anderson is an English actor, singer, and songwriter. As an actor, he is best known for his role as Grey Worm in the television series Game of Thrones as the leader of the Unsullied, and his reoccurring appearances in the first seasons of Episodes in Broadchurch. As a musician, he uses the alias Raleigh Richie. His debut album, Your Man Now Boy, was released in 2016 to very positive reviews. Welcome to this segment of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie. I am your host. This is going to be a fun one for you guys because listen, we all watch this show. We live tweet it. It's under the hashtag Thrones, y'all. Game of Thrones we have one of our favorite actors and characters from the show to talk to us here on black girl nerds and he's more than just an actor guys he's also a very well-known incredibly talented musician we have none other than jacob anderson also known as riley richie here on the black girl nerds podcast thank you jacob for coming on the show
4: thank you for having me it's it's an honor to be on the show
1: And we have our lovely co-hosts here, Kendall, Jacqueline, and Kayla. Thank you, ladies. All right. Well, great. I'm going to go ahead and just jump in and get started with my first question for you. We, we, of course, we know you as Grey Worm, leader of the Unsullied (laughs) on HBO's Game of Thrones. And you first got the role in season three. Did you realize how huge of a pop culture phenomenon this show is going to be? And how long did it take for you to speak Valerian?
4: Um, it's it's a really weird thing in terms of how big the show is because I feel like it's, it's it feels like it kind of gets bigger every year. Like or I just feel like I, there's more more people that talk to me on the street every year. Um but when I first joined, I like I really liked the show because um, I watched it because uh, Joe Dempsey, who plays Gendry, and um, Hannah Murray, who plays Gilly, are good friends of mine. So I watched it just because they were in it, basically. Um, and I, in fact, I watched the whole first season on a plane. I didn't really know what it was because like, Joe told me a little bit about it and he was kind of like, oh, it's like, you know... It's like a fantasy show. It was a bit like Lord of the Rings. I was like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm in. Why not? Watch the whole thing on a plane. I watched 10 episodes. I watched wow. 10 episodes on the plane. And then by the time I got home from wherever I was going, I um, the second season had just started. And so I, I fell in love with the show very quickly. But, yeah, I don't think I really knew how big it was. I remember me and, me and a friend of mine were having a conversation. We were like, nah, we'll never get we'll never get to be in Game of Thrones. That's not that's not like a thing. Because it suddenly seemed like loads of people that we knew were in the show. And then I got a call and it was like, Oh, how'd you feel about auditioning for this show? Um but yeah, it wasn't if it like if it was big, it wasn't really on my radar at the time. I just it was just a show that I really liked. Um so yeah. It's kind of a it's it's a weird thing. I've, it's quite difficult to really see, it, like in terms of how big it is or or or, or not, because because to me it's like it's, it feels like a really small thing. Because we all go, like we we all get together at the end of the year and work together, and everybody knows each other, and it's like a little family. So do, do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah.
4: Like it kind of it it, it feels like a really personal experience so you forget very easily
1: because you're in it you're not on the outside destroyers. like the rest of us yeah
4: exactly yeah um and valerian is <laughs> valerian kind of it it varies how long it takes me to learn stuff it's all kind of dependent as well on how much time they give you like the first year i had like a three-month run-up no like yeah you're gonna have to learn this language because i didn't know Like, when I auditioned, I basically just did it in my own voice, and it was all in English. I got the part, and they were like, oh, by the way, you don't speak English in this show. (laughs) So I was like, okay. So, yeah, like, two months in advance, they gave me all of the stuff, and then it's just, like, repetition and and, and stuff. And then I think last year, it was, like, a week, two weeks before having to do, like, a chunk, they gave me (laughs) the stuff to learn. <laughs> wow, so it varies
1: well, yeah, and I never
4: learn it as well. It's like you think it's not like learning a, a language mm-hmm. like i i couldn't ta- I couldn't make up a sentence for you now it's kind of i I kind of just like learn the lines that I have to say, and then I forget them as soon as I finish them because my brain is traumatized by all of it.
6: <laughs> I hear that a lot from <laughs>
1: actors when they're memorizing lines. They, you know, they just—they're in the thick of it and they just remember just those specific lines for their project. And then once mm. it's done, they're just like, okay, it's whatever. Yeah. Um, so that seems it like is, It's
4: like it's traumatic in like a small way. Like there's there must there's so many bloopers of <laughs> me and Natalie and Amelia just like losing it, just going absolutely do lally trying to do, (laughs) trying to say these made-up words in big chunks.
1: I would love to see that gag I think they just
4: stitch. They just, like, I I would say, actually, no, do you know what? I'll say this for myself, not for them, because they're much better at at, at learning stuff than I am. But, like, I think they just stitch my performance together out of what (laughs) is not me laughing. (laughs)
1: Well, that's awesome. You know, in addition to your work on Game of Thrones, uh, you're a musician. As Riley Ritchie, you have this very beautiful and velvety melodic sound. Like, I really love your vocals Um, and and your lyrics are really deep. And it's about very personal issues in your life, too, um, as well as your Mm. relationship. So um, I understand you've been making music for a long time. Can you tell us the first moment when you decided music was something you wanted to do professionally?
4: um yeah, it's weird I, I like I'm not sure that I ever had like a this like a one defining moment, but for me, like i used to do i used to make music in my lunch hour like i didn't I didn't do lunch, I didn't play sports or anything, so I just kind of like would go into they had like a music building in my school. And I'd just go there and sit at a piano or sit on like Cubase or whatever and write. And I always used to write for like songs for other people to sing because I wasn't really like interested in being a singer or like being in front of it. Or I just like writing because it helped me out. And so basically it was my way of like talking and my way of like articulating things because I'm not. As you'll find out in this interview, I'm not the best at, like, making sort of succinct succinct points well. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, writing a song song is my way to articulate how I feel about something. And I think as soon as I discovered that, I was like, yeah, this is, like, a thing that I need to do because it's better than me just sort of, like, stewing in my feelings and, and going mad. So I think it's just a general feeling of, like, necessity to writing a song and what it does for my, my soul, my head.
8: All right. Well, this is Jacqueline. I <laughs>
4: that was like, nice. a, that was like a, okay.
8: <laughs> well, I feel like you were being very succinct and I really didn't know how to segue from that. Cause you kind of just threw yourself under the bus a little bit. I'm like, I feel like you're great. I'm melting. I'm British. Oh.
4: I'm British. <laughs> we're like British people. We're like, we, we, we're very hard on ourselves. I don't know if you noticed that.
8: Yes, I was just about <laughs> to say, as a BBC fangirl, I've actually known that for a while. Y'all are very self-deprecating. Um, very in
4: self-deprecating.
0: Fact,
8: yeah, but... As a BBC fangirl, I loved you first in Broadchurch and before Game of Thrones. And I was like, this kid I recognize from Matt. So I was really (laughs) happy to see you on the show. And now that you're on the show, it's this huge global cultural thing that everybody is a fan of. And I'm sure even though you're probably as awkward as I am about that kind of stuff, you're like awkward about fan interactions. But what is the weirdest, funniest thing that someone has done on the street when they met you, like fangirl out or ask you to speak valerian to them i mean i don't know what's happened
4: <laughs> <laughs> well because like i'm i'm sort of i'm quite an introverted person like i don't really i wouldn't say that i, I caught attention when i'm like walking around or anything um so i would always think it's weird if anybody comes <laughs> and talks to me i'm like why why do you why why would you want that why would you want to do that to yourself um but uh the weirdest one is still like it happened Um, I guess after season four, I was on the subway in New York and I had my head down and I just heard, wait, can I, am I allowed to curse on this?
1: Yes. I love the fact that people always ask us permission.
4: I love that. (laughs) I don't know. It might be all ages. I'm not. And I'm
8: over. Yeah, it's nice. But I'm over here like you do whatever you want to. (laughs) Yeah.
4: So I was on the subway and someone just went, fuck yeah,
2: gray worm. And I was like, whoa.
4: Whoa. What? And I looked up and there was this, this dude was just like, had his, his newspaper up and he was like, you know, oh, oh no. Um, he was like, you know, like a respectable, I don't know what that means actually. I don't know how you find it respectable, but looked like a kind of respectable dude, like middle-aged dude. And, um, yeah, and that was it. He just went back to his paper. <laughs> and I was like, are we, are we not going to, not only am, are me and him not going to address this, but is nobody else on the subway going to address
5: that <laughs> that
4: just happened? This is we- That was a weird interaction. <laughs> that was a strange <laughs> thing to do.
8: I love that, because that would have, I don't know if I would have been that much, but I would have just maybe pointed and giggled and been like, aha, oh, there he is, and then walked away. <laughs> <'Cause>,
4: <laughs> well, um, it's I like it's, it, it's one of those things that I'm starting to think like, Did it it really happen? (laughs) Did it really happen? Because it's not a normal thing to do. Like, I mean, I guess the subway in New York's kind of like the underground in London, like a lot of weird shit happens. But nobody's ever like corroborated that story before. And I'm starting to not believe it myself. But it was pretty, yeah, that was pretty weird.
8: (laughs) I believe it happened because people are that (laughs) weird. Um, people have, people, people have those moments, but, um, more, more on like something you're probably more familiar with is people freaking out in concerts, um, when you're performing and such, um, your music, like, and every time you talk about it, the thing I always notice is like every interview is like, um, we don't know how to like classify your style or type of music. And they come up with weird ways to categorize it. Well, I'm not going to go there, but you obviously have a lot of eclectic influences and tastes so give me your dream lineup, like you know, start, middle, end. Give me three acts that you would you would love to see Living Dead, whenever.
4: Are they, okay, Living or Dead.
8: Yeah, Living um, or Dead.
4: Okay, so I would probably start with. Let me see. Oh, it's hard. This is a hard question. But it's would, fun. <laughs> it is fun. It is fun. I'll go for. Let's say, um, death grips to open. Okay. Just to like, just just to like get everybody warmed up, and then Beyonce. She's yes. amazing. All line. right. <laughs> and, <so that's> like, <laughs> and I'm kind of like, I'd put Beyonce as the headliner, but but she's still sort of in the middle of the three acts, and then following Beyonce, I'd just get, I'd have Donny Hathaway, just like. Oh, just hmm. thrashing out on his piano, just like, I don't know if any of you guys have heard the, the Donny Hathaway live album, but it's, yeah. in my opinion, it's, it's the greatest live album of all time. And I feel like that he would be, he'd make a good post Beyonce because Beyonce is like your big, like flashy blockbuster headliner. And then you got something like, like, a, like the best pilot cleanser you could ever have in your life.
8: Uh, I love you for that one, and I'm still sad that people think that Michael Bublé did that song, and they don't realize that was Donny Hathaway's song. Whoa. Like, I get so mad about that. Whoa, whoa,
4: whoa, whoa! <laughs> Hang on. What Michael Bublé <laughs> song?
8: Yeah. So Michael Michael Bublé did, did Donny Hath. Yeah, he covered. Um, I've seen him. I, I can't remember the name of it. You know, A Million Places. Yeah, he covered it, and people think it's his song. They don't realize it's a cover. What song uh, for you? Yeah. Yeah. Song for you. There you go. I'm Sorry, you the name of it. Yes. I'm going to get
4: on Twitter and I'm going to be like. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs>
8: Seriously? Because I'm about they to start know. some shit.
6: <laughs> I mean,
8: you know this. People don't have their musical history. People don't realize that Bruno Mars owes, like, Moore's day and the time royalty checks as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, whatever.
4: Yeah. <laughs> to, <laughs> to be on. fair, though, ironically enough, there's a song on that live album called Jealous Guy. Which I thought was a Donny Hathaway, Hathaway song, but it's it's a John Lennon song.
8: Oh. it's
4: on that album. But Donny Hathaway does it better than John Lennon, and that's probably a controversial opinion. But he does. It.
9: <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is Kayla, and I Hello. hi. <laughs> I am a huge fan, and um, your album dropped last year and came out to some very very positive reviews, and I loved it. Um, are you going forward, are you going to be more focused on your music, or are you going to split your time between, try and find a balance between acting and music, and um, can we get a Childish Gambino mixtape with you, you guys? Because I think it would be, like, the best thing that ever happened in the world. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, well, to answer your first question, n- no. I'm, like, I'd, I never... I don't believe in choosing one thing like I they acting and writing music serve very very different purposes to me it's like they kind of in fact they're kind of like the antithesis of each other like writing a song is to get all of my feelings out and I'm really like inside my head and then when I do acting it's like getting outside of my head and being somebody else and being the complete opposite to me um so I kind of need... They balance each other out pretty well. And I want to make... I want to make stuff as well. I want to, like... I want to make films and I want to... There's so much other stuff that I want to do. Like, I'm not... I get i get bored just doing one thing for my whole life. That's not I a good don't, like, answer. I don't believe that anybody should ever tell anybody else what to do.
7: Yeah. Gen-
4: like, generally. And I think, like, it's important for... Any, like, no matter what job you have, no matter what you're into, like... If there are other things you want to explore, then then explore them because we're not, like, we're not on Earth for that long. I think it's important to to at least try these things. Scare yourself. Do stuff that scares you. And all of this stuff scares me, so that's why I do it. Um, <laughs> mm. To answer your second question, I, d- I doubt very much there will ever be a Donna Glover... Raleigh Ritchie mixtape Childish Gambino Rally Ritchie mixtape because I'm trying my hardest to not ever meet him
3: <laughs> <laughs> What? Why? I'm, like, I'm
4: not even joking, I was like I, my uh, my agent and my, my music manager and my American agent all at various times have said oh we're going to try and set up a meeting between you and Don, uh, Donny Hathaway, you and Donald Glover um, <laughs> and like we just we think it would be really great for you guys to meet and chat and stuff and uh and i've said i can't i can't do it i can't he's he's too he's too important to me and, oh.
5: Oh.
4: and
9: <laughs> oh, that just made my heart so sore <laughs> like
4: oh. no but, <laughs> i like i've i know i've i've got friends that have met him or know him like well and and they have all said, like, amazing things about him and he's meant to be, like, a a lovely dude and he's super talented. But I feel like I would... I feel like this is an appropriate example, actually. I don't know if any of you guys are community fans, but...
2: Yes.
4: So, you know when Donald Glover... When Troy meets LeVar Burton? Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I remember that scene.
4: (laughs) I'm afraid... I'm afraid that that would happen. Like... (laughs) I know, I know that me and Donald Glover, I like, are into the same stuff. Like, you know, I like. That's why I like him so much. But um, but I feel like I would just freeze up, and I just wouldn't know what to say to him, I'd just be like, "You're you're fucking amazing." And that's not. That's no way. That's never any way to start a conversation. I tell you that much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's safe to say, Kayla and I acted the same way after we interviewed Levar Burton on the podcast.
4: I bet. <laughs> LeVar Burton is a legend, and I'm I'm British. I shouldn't even know who he is. We didn't we didn't have Reading Rainbow, and I know that LeVar Burton is amazing. Then we did have Star Trek. Sorry.
8: So, so well, I hope you meet him. <laughs>
9: <laughs> you, it needs to happen because he, I, from what I've heard from people, he's just super down to earth. But I think I would probably have the same reaction because I've been watching his comedy sketches on YouTube since. You know, early two thousands.
4: So the, mis- mystery team, right?
9: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly.
4: This is the thing, though. Is I'm not like this. Isn't a thing for me where I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I really loved Atlanta, and yes. I really like. From from like back in the day, I've been a fan of Donald Glover, like him and the uh, Derek comedy sketches and all that. Like
7: yes, yay.
4: So it just it just <laughs> I'm not mature enough. Like maybe one day I would like to
7: meet him. You're not I'm ready. Sure enough
4: right now because I'd just be, I'd just be like, it'd be embarrassing for him. He'd be like, someone get rid of this guy. <laughs>
9: <laughs> so, so you're kind of showing a little bit of your nerdy side. So this kind of goes into my next question. We are built on all things nerdy. Well, we like to call it blurdy, black and nerdy. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up did you consider yourself a nerd and um if so do you still geek out on a lot of things now
4: Well I mean when I was growing up I'm going to make I made myself sound really old when I say this actually but when I was growing up like it wasn't okay to be like a nerd or a geek like that was not it wasn't accepted <laughs> mm-hmm. Um I t- I was but I would never have been like I never would have thought of myself as a nerd. I've just been like, yeah, I just like all of this stuff and it's normal for me to like all this stuff and and like the reason that I can't connect to people is because I'm more connected to like TV and comic books. But um <laughs> but the most amazing thing about I think like the internet really is what made it happen is like the older I've got, like as I've just just as I've gone on, it's become more and more acceptable and um, uh, I don't know exactly what my point was, but yeah, I was I was a, an Uber nerd. I am an Uber nerd. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you- it's a really weird thing for me because I'm in a show that people are really nerdy about, but I'm super nerdy about lots of other things. And I love I love Game of Thrones, but I'm not a nerd about it because I'm close to it. If you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So it's
4: kind of yeah. weird to. Yeah. So,
9: are there what? What do you geek out on? What? What would you say other than other than music that we can see?
4: Um, films. I I mean, I try and I I try and watch everything that's out, even if I'm not, even if I don't think it's going to be that great. I mean, like there's (laughs) there's probably exceptions. There's definitely exceptions. I haven't seen. Beauty and the Beast yet I don't know I don't know why I'm just not that interested in it but I've watched every do you know what I mean like I Mm. I try and watch whatever's out in in cinema by the week But I feel like you
9: don't touch perfection I don't feel like you touch Disney perfection so that's how I feel about their live action right now so I'm kind of right there with you Mm
4: -hmm. but I like do you know what I will say for that film is I kind of like the whole thing like uh, what's her name Emma Watson's um, position on, like, maybe we could uh, obviously I haven't seen the film, but like loosen the Stockholm Syndrome thing a little bit so that Belle's not just like uh, she's not she's not mental. <laughs> it's like, do you know what I mean?
8: Mm-hmm. Like,
4: I like I like that she's she's like there's a feminist angle to bring to this, and I think to most, if we're being honest, to most Disney classics they're not put, they don't really hold up in that regard so i've kind of i like the idea of that i just haven't been to see it yet <laughs> um so yeah i'm very nerdy about films it's kind of hard to talk about what you what you like i don't know if you found this but i'm like if you ask me stuff if you're like what about that? I would probably like fire off for about fifteen minutes about something that you just have. <laughs> like if you were like, "Oh, what do you think of Steven Universe?" I could give you like an essay on oh, Steven oh, Universe yay. and why oh, <laughs> <God. laughs> I love that. Oh my god, Steven Universe! I need
9: nothing else. I, that just made my day. Like my whole month. Was really, <laughs> yeah.
4: Do you know what's really good as well? That I've just started watching that I haven't. That I, I just it just went by me. Is a uh, Star versus the Forces of Evil. Yes, that show is great.
9: She's amazing. It's really um, good, and it's not getting the hype that it deserves. And I, am very adamant about that.
4: I think, I think Disney are uh, they're starting to they want a bit of that that Adventure Time, Cartoon Network kind of action.
9: They'll get there. Like,
4: we need to get rid of our squeaky clean image. Um, yeah. What well, I mean, I'm ner- I'm learning about a lot of things. <laughs> I, I still I still okay. buy comic books. I still, like, I haven't really changed since I was a kid. Um, I love I watch a lot of TV. I spend a lot of time watching, like, those video essays on uh, on YouTube. You know, like nerd writer and those kind of things. I love game grumps. Like, I love my like like gaming channels. Um, yeah. I mean. <laughs> I don't, I, don't, I don't. I'm. Not, I don't think I'm very good at like talking about these things. Like I don't know off the off the head what I could tell off the top of my head that I could tell you I'm nerdy about because to me they're not nerdy things. They're just like things that I really love.
6: Well, hi Jacob. This is Kendall. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Hello.
6: Um, that was it by the way
4: i'm sorry for that for that answer (laughs) it was such a bad answer
6: no it's okay hey it's your truth you got to speak your truth right
4: (laughs) no but actually actually no sorry i do i do want to say i think i just used nerdy as like a derogatory term by saying i don't consider things nerdy that i like um but i'm proud i'm proud (laughs) of my i'm proud of my nerd card
6: proud nerd Um,
4: yeah (laughs)
6: So um, I first heard your song, Bloodsport, on an episode of Teen Wolf, and I'm not ashamed to say that I love that show. Um, And then I heard it again on an episode of Power, and I was like, okay, I've got to look up this song. And then I looked it up, and I was like, oh my God, it's Grey Worm. I was so shocked. (laughs) (laughs) But... um, Since music is such a passion of yours, um, and you're working hard to fulfill that purpose in your life, how did you get into acting in the first place? Like, is acting something that you actually went after or did the opportunity just present itself?
4: Not really. It was kind of, yeah, it was kind of an accident. Like I wasn't, um, I was never, I wasn't like a naughty kid at school, but I used to sleep a lot in my lessons and, um. And so I wasn't really, I wasn't I wasn't really on track to do particularly well at the end of school, um, but my drama teacher was also like the head of year, in, uh, in like she was my head of year, and she said, "There's these there's a TV company that are like auditioning kids from schools, like it's like an open audition kind of thing," um, and she's like, "I think you should try it. Like, why don't you go and." audition for this show and I was like oh, I don't know like it's not is that a job like being in like acting and things I definitely like by that point I was kind of I was more into the idea of like writing movies or like writing comic books like it wasn't you know the idea of acting in something I was like I don't I'm shy like I don't <laughs> I don't want to have to look back at my face but um but I, I enjoyed drama lessons. I thought they were fun. I did pretty well at them. I couldn't sleep in drama because we didn't have desks. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I auditioned for this show, um, and I didn't get. I didn't get the part. But um, but I got quite far. I guess I kind of got to like the end of the process or whatever. And um, and the casting director was doing that show. Said so like is this something you'd be interested in like as a career i was like oh i don't don't know really like i kind of i'm interested in writing and stuff and she was like well look if you became an actor then you could see writers you know you could see like how a director works you see what like what it's like to make these things um and you also get paid to like pretend to be somebody else it's great why not um so I kind of just went with it and I was like, "Did a, I got a couple of jobs and I really enjoyed it. And I kind of just, I fell in love with the escapism, just pretending to be someone else. I used to like run around this, the playground playing Lion King by myself, <laughs> <laughs> play like all the parts. I'd be like Simba and Nala and Scar and Mufasa and I'd be like...
6: would you sing the songs
4: I was that kid yeah I used to imagine yeah I would sing the songs um (laughs) I would like imagine like I would come up with whole characters like spy characters and stuff and just make up pretty much just whole films that I was in and I'd run around the, the playground just pretending that I was doing it so I kind of that whatever that was came back a little bit And this was when I was, like, 15, 16. So I'd lost a bit of that. And it all came back and I was like, yeah, great.
6: (laughs) Tap into that that imagination.
4: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I have a very big imagination. (laughs) Sometimes to a fault.
6: So do Um, I. I completely get it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, like, a lot of people like to put artists, like, in a box you know so if they see you doing one thing, if they see you acting they just think of you as an actor then they see you doing something else and it's it's just kind of weird i don't i don't understand why people do that but you, you spoke a little bit about it earlier what advice can you give to artists who are hesitant to pursue multiple artistic outlets um just out of Fear that people will view them as like being an imposter or something. It's silly, but you know. Yeah,
4: some people, no, we yeah. all get we all get that. I think I think anybody that makes a thing. I mean, I'm sure you guys get this as well. Like imposter syndrome when you kind of yep. feel like oh I'm a fraud and I don't deserve to be here and mm-hmm. like other people have have made this possible. So therefore, like I have nothing to do with it. I don't deserve it. Yeah, I think, like, when you accept that other people feel those things, that lightens the load a little bit, I think. But also, I I feel like if you want to make stuff for a living, you kind of have to accept that, like, you can only really do well at it if you truly love it. Because, it. You, like, I always say to people, people say, like, oh, you know, like, how do I how do I become like a singer, like a big, like how do I become a big singer? I'm like, well, for one, I'm not like a big singer. So I don't know why you're asking me. But secondly, like (laughs) you can't do it for money. Like you have to do it for love because you're not going to get any money. You're not going to get paid for making music. If you just, if you just accept that from the beginning, you're going to be fine. If you accept that, like, okay, I really like making up, I don't know, I really like making cakes, for instance. And if you like singing, I'm making cakes. But you just go like, do you know what? I just really like eating these cakes. My friends really like eating these cakes. So I'm just going to do it for that reason. And then if other stuff comes out of it. And I'm not saying don't be ambitious. But I would say the key to all of any creative endeavor is to do it for yourself. And do it because you love it because that's kind of the only guarantee um but i would also if i'm being really honest like it's tough like it's tough to to be to do more than one thing and kind of be like you know like i don't i'm not earnest about anything really like in the traditional sense i just because to me it's like i i love my job like i don't want to take myself seriously not that's it i don't take myself that seriously but um but like people will be like, what do you want to do most this or that or like if you do this thing it's gonna undermine the other thing and people do try and put you in a box and you just kind of have to like I've definitely learned over the last few years like you just got to remember why you did it in the first place like you just have to and you just have to shut those voices out yeah
3: because
4: because people will, It makes people uncomfortable, I think. I think people think of you as greedy or, or as... I think it's... I feel like maybe it's slightly different in the States, actually. I've found when I've gone over to the States, like, people are excited that I'm interested in more than one thing. But I think sometimes in this country... Sometimes, not all the time. But I think definitely in the press and stuff in this country, we don't, like... We love an underdog but we don't like uh, we don't like somebody who's we don't really like ambition. In the media, like in the press. Mm. I don't think the people are like that here. I love my people. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we love you. I didn't really answer that question yeah, properly, but too. <laughs> just just yeah. do it. Is that that's like the thing that I that's the best advice that I could give, is just do it. Don't worry about what anybody else says. Don't, don't ever prevent yourself from doing something that could potentially make you happy. That's, that's, that's the realest thing I can tell you.
6: <laughs> it's real. No,
8: that's good advice. I will say that I that imposter syndrome one, and then also the oh, people thinking you're overly ambitious. I've seen both of those and yeah, that's good advice. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to apply it because I feel it sometimes <laughs> and a yeah. much smaller, smaller, <laughs> smaller scale. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so as Jacqueline again, uh, Game of Thrones to bring it back to to our our, our all mutual love um, <laughs> is kind of filmed a worldwide, literally everywhere. It seems like they have locations and sets where they're filming year round, and they have these huge production values. I mean, last year it feels like y'all filmed like nine movies practically with the way they did those sets and stuff. Um, yeah, and you've been a part. Yeah, exactly. And you've been a part of a lot of them. Um, which one was your favorite to shoot, or maybe which one was the hardest because of the location or the demands of the scene?
4: Um, the hardest to shoot. I've always had it pretty easy because we're we we're in hot places most of the time.
0: Mm-hmm. So
4: like when we're whenever we're outdoors, we're in Spain or Morocco, um and then all the indoor stuff pretty much is shot in Belfast. Um, but I'd say Morocco was quite difficult because it was really hot.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: I
4: went, like, wearing leather. <clears throat> I think my my first year, wearing that big, like, leather tunic, they hadn't quite... Um, like, every year, my costumes kind of got more comfortable as it goes along. But um, the first year, it was just, like... I had waterfalls going down my front, the front of my body. <laughs> <I> sweat. <laughs> it was... Because also there's like bits where it sort of like pushes into your stomach so all of the water would like collect where it pushed and then if I like breathe if I breathed in or moved slightly or sat down it would all just sort of like gush down my front and it it would look like I'd wet myself because the front of my trousers would just be like covered in yeah so thank god for that that nappy that I had that I had for like three years
1: So this is my last question for you. You know, this week was a big comic book movie announcement, which I noticed on Twitter. You got really excited. about.
4: Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Now. Right. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: Okay. See, look how excited Jacob is getting right now. (laughs)
4: Um, This is what I mean. This is what I can't like. When you said, what are you nerdy about? I couldn't think of a single thing. But now you're talking about what we're about to talk about. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Okay, (laughs) I've stirred the car
1: in the right lane. Okay, great. (laughs) So Thor Ragnarok, the trailer dropped. And yeah, you tweeted to me and you were excited about it. So that movie, it sounds like you you definitely want to see. But what are some comic book movies that you're really excited to see this year? And also, if there was a superhero that you would like to play, who would it be and why?
4: Well... The superhero that I would like to play is I'm too old for. I would be annoyed if they... I shouldn't say this. I'm, like, talking myself out of job. But also, they don't need another British Spider-Man. But Mars Morales would be pretty Oh, my amazing. God.
1: Yes. OK.
4: Yes. Um, or Peter Parker. I mean, like, when I was... A, when I was growing up, obviously, in my head, I was Peter Parker. This is another thing that we could talk about. But um, there's not time for for that. But um, <laughs> Uh Yeah, it's gonna be Spider Man Spider Man Spider Man. I do Spider Man is my favorite.
9: We're Spider-Man. finally getting Shocker, so it's um it's a, an exciting time to be a Spider Man fan. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I know. Is it Bucky and Webbines playing Shocker?
9: Yes. And I, I I can't they gave us like the smallest of glimpse in the trailer,
4: but I'm still so I really, happy. I really hope that he's like Doing something in it. I really hope he's got something to do. He's he's such a good actor. I I really hope that he's got like they give him some space to be an awesome villain, mm. and they don't like Jamie Foxx him.
1: Oh <laughs> god, yeah. Uh, let's let's not see that happen um, again. So yeah. What what were you <laughs> excited really about Thor Ragnarok? Because to... I mean, you you were geeking out everything. over that everything.
4: Yeah. Every everything like. <laughs> I think like the the MCU uh, incarnation of Thor, like Chris Hemsworth as Thor, is is amazing. Yeah. I think like it's, it's kind of like the comedy is he's like the comedy center of the MCU. I think like and I'm talking about like from the from the top. I'm trying to think of who else there is that is like a good example of that, and I don't mean like Smarmy, not like Tony Stark, like. Anyway, yeah, so uh, the first Thor, I think, is amazing. I think, like, I feel like people throw a lot of shade at, at the first Thor movie. Second one, we don't have to talk about. We'll coast over it. But this one, not only are we getting, like, a little bit of Planet Hulk stuff. I know it's not exactly Planet Hulk, but it's, like, it seems like that version. Not only... Have we got Jeff Goldblum?
0: Yeah, oh my god! Yes. Of all
4: time, Dang. looking crazy, crazy, and amazing. Tessa Thompson is going to be
1: awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Mm.
4: I mean, like just the cast is amazing for one. Yeah. The trailer is just foot There's there's so many beautiful moments in that trailer, especially mm-hmm. he's a friend from work. I love that. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> But also, uh, Taika Waititi, who's directing it, is yes. one of my favourite filmmakers of the last, like, five or ten years. I, I I love him. I've seen everything he's made, and I've been, like, a fan of his since Flight of the Concords. So I'm, like, not only just really happy that he's doing blockbuster stuff, but that he's doing... He's on the right side. He's on the right side of blockbuster. And it just looks like it has his, like style of comedy which is definitely my taste it just looks amazing what can you say
0: <laughs> you, I
4: feel like this, you don't need to say I'm, I'm saying all this stuff but just watch the trailer don't listen to me like chatting <laughs> shit about it just watch it gives, there's enough there's nothing in there um yeah
1: what's your most anticipated uh, um comic book movie this year next most yeah
4: Uh Hard.
1: I know. There's so many. That's now.
4: really hard. Um, I would, if it wasn't for for BVS, oh, God. I dare, dare not speak his name. Yeah. If it wasn't for that, I would have been really excited about Justice League. Yeah. But I but don't know how have excited no I am. Hey,
1: yeah, I'm with you on that. because
4: you have I am no excited faces. about Wonder Woman, though? Yes. Yeah. I yeah. have hope for it. That's the only DC awesome. movie I
1: have hope for is Wonder Woman.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um what else is there? Spider-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, um Black Panther. Yes. Black like Black Panther is going to be special, but that's yeah. not this year, is it? That's next year. Next year, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
4: Um Oh, hard. maybe I've, I think I might have already seen it. I think the Lego Batman movie was my favorite superhero movie of the year.
9: Thank movie. you. It was so perfect. It's already it already happened. happened. To end, it was so great. Thank you
4: for saying that. <laughs> Obviously, I saw it so many times. I'm not even joking. There was one. There was one day that I was just. I was in a really bad mood. I was finding it hard to get up. I was just in a bad place, and instead of going like oh, I'll go get a coffee, I'll go like. I don't know, go and do something that will cheer me up, I was like right, I'm just going to go see the Lego Batman movie wherever it is in London, the next show and I'm going now and it just changed my day completely and it was amazing Um, (laughs) yeah so I feel like Lego Batman movie already happened and that will I have hope for Spider-Man, but I just I just don't know anymore (laughs) (laughs) I just, I'd, I'll be honest with you, I'm finding, like, I feel like last year was, was a little bit underwhelming mm. for my superheroes, mm. and, and I'm finding it hard to trust,
0: <laughs>
4: I find it really hard to trust DC, I do yeah. trust Marvel, but I'm still, like, I don't know, I'm, I'm, yeah, Yeah. will see, I
1: have we'll high see about Spider-Man. For... I have high hopes for Homecoming just because Tom Holland is like the first real Peter Parker to me. Yep. Yes. You know, like he's closer yeah. to age than the comic book, Peter Parker, and then compared to, you know, Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield. So, and he was so good in in Civil War. Um, I just, I, I think Homecoming is going to be a bit of a game changer for the Spider-Man franchise. I hope so.
4: I think. I look. I, I I agree. I think it is going to be great. I just I just I can't have my heart broken
9: again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Spider,
4: like Spider Man yes. means a lot to me.
9: Yeah. <laughs> I think it's hard to hate anything with Michael Keaton in it, though. So I think that they kind of they knew that, so they drew us in with that. So I think that's probably why we're all going into it with some some hope.
4: Yeah. yeah. Yep. yeah.
9: It's hard to hate Michael Keaton.
4: Yeah. And the director's yeah. really good. I liked. Yeah. A, i yeah. watched i watched both of his films actually, which clown was was amazing, it was horrible, but it was great <laughs> um yeah 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 so it, i just i just i feel like it's much better to have low expectations of everything and then be pleasantly surprised
1: <laughs> that's how I am going into every d c movie so that's yeah.
4: what yeah. Suicide, Suicide Squad, and I ended up liking it. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's how I am. I just... I, I, feel dis- I, didn't, I didn't hate Suicide Squad. I'm going
8: to be... Same. I, yep, I, same. I didn't, I didn't hate it. Good for y'all. Sorry. There was a lot about
2: it that
8: I liked. <laughs> Suicide Squad broke my heart, because that was the last time I gave DC my heart. And what I was going to say is, DC is like that boyfriend that cheats on you, And I went back to him with Suicide Squad, but I'm done now. (laughs) I cannot. That is not happening again. So, no. And Suicide Squad was cheating with, like, STD. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm glad y'all liked it, though.
4: (laughs) I didn't say I liked it. I said I didn't hate it. Yeah, But.
8: Yeah,
1: it what, yeah, it's those low expectations. That's what it was for me. Like I just went in super low, and I was like, "Well, it's not as bad." is what <laughs> I but... yeah. well, yeah. was saying. Yeah.
9: Yeah. X Men Apocalypse. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. See, see, yeah. we got led. See that I couldn't. My expectations couldn't be any lower after seeing Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Yeah, that's true. I was
5: good.
4: <laughs> I'm totally not gonna ever get hired by any of the. <laughs> <laughs> forget <laughs> genuinely i forget sometimes like, hey
1: we shade on these I'm, like, I'm on
4: twitter and i'm like about to start saying something about a film i've seen i'm like oh shit like either either like a friend has been a part of it and i'm like oh that, that they, i know they work really hard on that or i'm just like i'm never gonna get a job with with that shoot like warner brothers aren't gonna hire me now well I did no. love Lego back. You
9: know what?
1: Listen, we shade on all these <laughs> studios all the time and they still invite us to the junkets. They still invite yep. us to the screenings. So it's all good. All press is oh, good press.
4: Don't 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 get it mixed up because they need you guys. They they need reviewers and and like fans. They don't need another actor. Oh <laughs> yes they do There's plenty You're of
1: on too. the hottest show on television right now You're good <laughs>
4: <laughs> You're um, in high
9: demand yeah. At least as far as we're concerned <laughs> <laughs> And you geek, on, you geek out on Steven Universe I'm pretty sure Rebecca Sugar would put you in Pretty much anything that she does going forward uh, She
4: is She is an amazing human being She just, just She's just awesome I'm like Yeah, I think she's amazing. I think Steven Universe is like a really... I can't wait to show that to my kids. Just on multiple levels. It's got... Like, I've cried watching. That show has made me cry. And I don't even feel any shame about saying that. Aww. You're not the (laughs) first person to say that. Aww, and like,
9: happy. That's awesome. I'm gushing. I can't. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Well, Jacob, thank you so much. This was such a fun interview. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, can you tell our listeners where they can find you on the interwebs, your concert dates, and give us your social media handles?
4: Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just Raleigh Richie on everything. R-A-L-E-I-G-H-R-I-T-C-H-I-E on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, the other ones... <laughs> I think it's even rallyrichie.com. It's really easy. I'm oh. just the same on everything. Nice. I'm doing. I don't know when this airs, but I'm I'm doing um I'm doing a tour actually in the states uh, in May. Um, I, I don't actually have them on me. Hang on. No wait. I'm on my phone. I can look on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, actually, no. New York. LA and San Francisco sold out, but on if anybody's in Toronto or Chicago, I've got shows on on May the third. I'm in Toronto, and then May the fourth, I'm in Chicago. And even if you listen to my music, and it sounds a bit like a bit sad sometimes and morose, like with the show, with our live show, I like to jump around a lot and make it fun. So don't don't come expecting like a sad R&B dude sitting there. Just I don't know, sitting on a stool and then stepping off the stool. You're not gonna get that. We'll have a party.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I would have to have Can can I, a I party. just make
4: sure that, that anybody listens to this knows that that it's like evening here, like we're we're well into midnight. So um oh, wow. so I sound I sound like I've I've had too much caffeine and not <laughs> enough sleep. Which is true, but, but I'm about yeah.
1: You, well, you made the interview a lot more fun.
4: But it's probably the worst yeah. plug anybody has ever done in their life. For
0: anything. Do you know, what? I
4: don't deserve it. Don't come and see me. Don't don't, don't pay for my music. Steal it. Stop it. Stop I, don't, it. I don't I don't deserve no. it. I don't deserve no. your love. No. No. no,
1: go on iTunes, buy his music, download. Yeah do the whole thing. And look, you're selling out shows. You've sold half of them out in America. So look, you're doing something right. Um, But yeah, thanks. This is a fantastic interview and we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us.
4: Thank you. And can I just say that Iron Man 3 is the best Iron Man film?
1: You know what? I have changed my mind. (laughs) I used to think the first film was the best one, but you know what? I'm going to agree with you. I saw another sitting of Iron Man 3, and it's actually a really good film. And I really like the character development of Tony Stark in that one. I think that's why it makes it a better film.
4: Shane Black. I mean, I thought, I thought that that was going to be my mic drop moment, and you were all going to disagree with me. And that was going to yeah. be like a really I good mean,
9: I got quiet, out. but I mean... I, you <laughs> know what?
1: I've changed my position on the I issue, hate so...
9: What they did. To, I hate what they did to the Mandarin. The Mandarin is the something.
1: one that does everybody in, yeah.
9: Yeah, that's... I
4: I loved what they did with the Mandarin, but I think that it could have been an Asian actor playing
9: Yeah, uh, yeah. what's his
4: name? Terry. Um, what's her name? Would have been better. Rebecca. <laughs> uh, that's really bad. Oh. But then again, that's me reading things of them going, well, she was going to be the villain and going, oh, that would have been better. But, but, but actually, I really like the film. I just said it's the best Iron Man film. I need to go to bed i'm sorry
6: <laughs>
0: i
4: should have just let i should just let this end <laughs> it's been no. really nice speaking to you guys though. <laughs> thank, thank you. you for having me
9: thanks <laughs> thank you Yes. Yeah, thank you
4: no worries thank you very
3: much guys <laughs> <laughs>
1: based on the incredible untold story of Katherine Johnson, Dorothy Vaughan, and Mary Jackson. Brilliant African-American women working at NASA who served as the brains behind the launch into orbit of astronaut John Glenn, a stunning achievement that turned around the space race. The visionary trio crossed all gender and racial lines and inspired generations. Own a piece of history, Hidden Figures, now available on digital HD, blu-ray and dvd craig ripon is the creative director and ceo of the independent family-owned film company headlight filmworks craig came up with the idea for the company's first film project a documentary entitled black ink people of color and comics faith ripon is a founding partner of headlight filmworks and the executive producer of black ink people of color in comics she is the eldest sibling of Craig's three children all of whom are involved in the company and plays an integral part in the overall formation of headlight filmworks
5: Hello everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Black Girl Nurse Podcast. This is Jessica and I'll be conducting this interview here today and I have great guests on with me today. I actually have two of the founders, as two of the four founders, correct? That's correct, correct, yes. Yeah. I have Craig and Faith and they are here and I'm gonna let them kind of tell you a bit about their Kickstarter campaign. So Craig and Faith, if you will please introduce yourselves and tell us a bit about your Kickstarter campaign and why it's so important.
2: Okay, my name is Craig Ripon, and uh, I'm a uh, part of a family business that's called Headlight Filmworks. We just, uh, we're putting out our first film called Black Ink, examining the contributions of to, comic, to the comic book industry by people of color. It's our first project, but hopefully not our last. And we've got a Kickstarter campaign that we're running. We're trying to get $15,466. Right now we're at $9,675, and we've got 13 days to go. So we're trying to get everybody and anybody who's interested to, to, to donate, pledge, to get us to our goal, because we, like I said, we have got 13 days to go, and with Kickstarter, you know, it's either all or nothing. So, that's who we are. And I'm on the phone with my daughter Faith Ripon, and uh, we're, we're all we're part of the family business. There are three three of us other than ourselves, and we're trying to get this thing flying. So, anything you can do to help us out would be fantastic.
7: Hi guys, um, I am Faith, the other partner, one of the other founding partners. I am also executive producer on the film. Um, and the actual title of the film is Black Ink: People of Color in Comics. I wanted to make sure that I, we got that right, so that way, if you were to go to Kickstarter, you'd be able to find the project under the correct title. Um, so this project is extremely important to me because, for many reasons, and one of the reasons, the major reasons that it's important to me is because it gives an opportunity to really highlight and put the spotlight on black creators who are creating content for readers of all different ethnicities, but um, we're highlighting black representation in comics, in the comic industry. And I think that's very important um, for a number of reasons, me, especially being a mother of two young daughters who are very impressionable, it's important for me to know that they're seeing characters that look like themselves. Um, in many different industries, but kids we know and people people like, you know, no matter what age, race, creed you are, you look at television, you look at things and, and what you see, um, that has a very deep impact on you, a very heavy impact. It, it says something. It speaks to you. And if you're looking at characters on the screen, especially heroes, you want to be like them, right? And so you develop, you, you hope to acquire or, you know, have some of that, whatever it is that they have that, that, that you know, you cheer them on for. You want to have some of that inside of you. So that's why the, port- the project is important to me, and I hope that it's just as important to many others out there, so important that they decide that they want to donate or back us, as I like to
2: say.
5: Awesome. Awesome. So you hit on a couple of different key pointers there, and I think, you know, I was actually listening to uh, some of the past uh, BGN episodes, episode 106 in particular. So you guys can go check that out if you guys are listening. Okay. Uh, but Enrique, De, Enrique uh, LaSalle was there on the uh, podcast and he had said something that really struck my, you know, that really spoke to me as a content creator. And he said, the uh, being an author and a content creator gives you power and possibility. And I really started to think about, wow, that really it really does. It really gives you an ultimate power, and the possibilities are endless with content creation, right? So why is it so important for you all? I know Faith, you've kind of devolved a bit um, about your daughters, but Craig, why is it so important that as, as content creators we we show up and really show out and create this content? Why is it so important?
2: Well, Black Heroes matter. Like they led, we had there's a T-shirt on our site that says that Black Heroes matter, and uh, not just content in terms of the the, the heroes that you create because let's face it we all look for something to identify with we always everyone looks to see themselves in something you know i hear a lot of white people who say oh you know it doesn't matter we don't really care about about that It's, it's about good story but i notice every time there's a character that's that's for example in the hunger games rue uh they made rue into a black young lady and everybody started freaking out. Well, it wasn't black people who were freaking out; it was white people. And if it doesn't matter, then why were you freaking out? It obviously it holds a great deal of importance in, in, in a person's mind. So it's not just about the creating the characters that's important, but we want to focus on the people who are behind the creation of the characters who are contributing in the industry because you know there are there are uh, basketball players, football players, rappers. So and so on there 's all these images of accepted roles for black people in business in in, in certain businesses, but there aren 't very many slots outside of some of these roles that you think of a black person occupying, so what we want to do is highlight those black people who, who are occupying the spots that you wouldn 't ordinarily think that the, the black person would be doing and really give them some shine because whatever image you project in front of a people long enough that's what they gravitate towards and there are all sorts of black people doing all sorts of things i mean the movie hidden figures who knew you know who 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 obviously someone knew because someone investigated it and turned it into a movie but i can't tell you how many black even historians Watching the movie, and I heard them in interview saying, "I never would have known I never knew so representation is usually important. creating content, creating characters, black characters who are doing a variety of things very important uh, right. i can't I can't overstretch it you all right
5: know? so yes, tell us a bit about your um, your your experience in the uh, comic book industry because i know you have a, <laughs> a a a long history right of <laughs> being
2: in the comic well, book I, industry. I, I worked in um i worked at milestone media uh, up until they closed I, I got there towards the tail end of 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 their uh workings so i mean i was there toward towards the end of their, their workings and i've been in comics ever since in and out you know working from a distance, I'm doing a lot of freelance work. Um, I have a nine-to-five job that I work, but I'm always in comics and, and uh, moving in and out of that, that world. So it's something that I enjoy. And when I'm up late at night, I'm looking for something that's inspiring because I'm working on a project of my own, a graphic novel of my own called Dreamcraft. Uh, if you look me up on Facebook, Craig Ripon R-I-P as in Peter, P is in Peter, o is as in Nancy. Uh you'll see me, and you can look up my the things that I'm working on, but when I'm up working, I'm looking for interviews online of people who are in the business who are doing something similar to what I'm doing, and I notice that once you get past the usual suspects, it's very very it gets very bleak. You keep running into the same names with the same stories over and over again. So I wanted to put together something that highlighted uh, the people that you don't always hear about and bring them out into the front. So we got all the same people, but we got a few people that you don't see very often. So uh, I'm very, I'm very proud of that. And right, right now, what we need this money to do is we need the extra Kickstarter money to reach those places that we need to get on a plane to get to California, New Mexico, Chicago, Detroit. North and South Carolina, all these places that may be a little too far for us to drive in our car up until this point we pull we've paid for everything out of pocket, but now we're looking to reach out to people to see if they'll be willing to help us make this make the last in this leg of this journey uh with uh, some air airfare and, and uh we'll get this thing done. I think I have a tendency right. to answer too much of the question.
5: that's okay, and
7: faith for you. For me, I my background in comic books. um, Basically, you looking at my father and (laughs) seeing the work he created. Uh, ever since I was a child, I've grown up in a home where my father was all about creating um, content and and working. I I believe he did ghost work, correct me if I'm wrong, for Archie's comics. So I grew up seeing a lot of that, which was really cool. I'll never forget um, one of the trips that he took me on, uh, me and my siblings on. Actually, we were living back in New York City in the Bronx and we got on a train one day um, and my dad said, hey, we're going to go out and we go downtown and it's this huge comic Bookstore. I don't remember the street that was on, and we had the opportunity to walk through, you know, the, the 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 comic store, and he gave us an opportunity to pick out any comic book that we wanted. Um, and so that was one of my first experiences where I got to pick out my first comic book, and I was so excited. And I remember skimming through, you know, looking for characters, looking for somebody that I thought was cool. And the closest thing that I could find that related to me was a comic book. Um, I don't know for those of you who remember if this is even still out, but it was a comic book called Vampirella. And I remember I gravitated toward that comic book because it was a woman and it was a superhero. And it, and it was like, wow, this is something that's interesting. Um But, you know, lo and behold, she wasn't black. I couldn't necessarily identify with her with anything other than the fact that she was a vampire. So that was my first comic book. And ever since then, I developed a love for comics, or a love for comics in the sense that, Anytime, you know, I, I, for example, I love comic films, anything that's Marvel, anything that's DC that comes out, I'm going to go see that in movie theaters. I'm going to get excited about it. I might as well be promoting and marketing the movie for them. Um, I just don't get paid for it, but it's extremely thrilling to me to go and just really get into it and, and see these characters on the screen and see these heroes and cheer for them and cheer them on, you know, uh, I love characters that are larger than life, um, so to speak. Um, in some sense, I'm always I, I'm rooting for the superheroes as opposed to if it was a war between the villains and the, and the human beings, like in uh, X Men, I think Days Past or whatever, the, whatever it was. I'm I'm rooting, rooting for the superheroes, or even if it's the villains. Anybody going against humans makes no that doesn't make, make that might not make much sense. But the point is, is that comic books is huge for me. Um, comics, anything, you know. It, Sci-fi. I love that sort of stuff. And so I've grown up with that and I hope to pass that on to my daughters because it gives us an opportunity. For me, it's always given me an opportunity to escape, you know, to escape. Life sometimes can be tough and the things that we're seeing, especially in this day and age, um, you know, you don't want to hear about all the craziness every single moment of the day. You want something to sort of take your mind off of the sorrows of this world. So um, you, you sort of can escape into a comic book or into a some sort of science fictional world and, and and just get lost, and that's what I love about about comics, and that's sort of where I come from. So it's a big part of my family. It's a big part of us and who we are, and so that's why when my father told me about this, came up with this idea for this project, I was like, let's go, I'm so Excited about this. We get to do this. And not only do we get to do this, but we get to do this and highlight the creators, the content creators who look like us, who we can relate to, who we can identify with. And so the stories that they're telling as a result we can identify with. So I am excited. I am more than pumped. And I just I can't wait. We need this money. So I'm 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 really hoping and, and praying and believing we getting this money <laughs> to do this. Wow. Wow, that's wonderful. So it's really a, a labor
5: of love, <laughs> as well as I can totally see the enthusiasm whenever I see your post on Facebook or Instagram. I'm like, oh my gosh, go girl, go. Because, you know, just, I can really tell, and I think the passion for just the craft of it all really comes through, um, and as well as your father, whenever you all speak about of a project, um, about the content creator, so you're able to support um, As well as, you know, gain something back from the fact that you are able to uh, push them out there and help them leverage and, and empower others with that content as well as get something back and seeing that content and like you said, losing yourself within it. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so tell me last question here or almost the last question. I should say favorite comic book hero. Uh...
2: You know that that fluctuates. Right now, my favorite comic book hero would probably be Black Panther, and that's probably because I'm really excited about the fact that Ta-Nehisi Coates has been writing the book for uh, for uh, I guess almost a year now, and they're also uh, working on the Black Panther movie that's going going to come out next uh, year. So I'm really excited about the Black Panther and that whole world. Um, so I, I guess. Prior to that, it would have to have been Spider-Man, but they kind of messed with Spider-Man a little too much. I, I, I like the mild morale of Spider-Man. He seems to capture the flavor of what Peter Parker used to have, which is that the young, inexperienced character way back, cause I'm a little kind of guy from the Steve Ditko day. But it fluctuates. I fluctuate between those, those characters. Um, right now, Black Panther would have to be the, the one. Mm-hmm.
7: So for me, I'd have to say it'd be Logan. Um, from X Men right now, it does fluctuate as my father says, But I've always had this. When you ask the question, I'll say the first person that, the first character that comes to mind because he's just so, you know, ever present in my mind. And especially since the, the last film came out, which I'm, I'm guilty of not having seen yet. But he has so much depth to him, and there's so he's such a complex character, and he's also so raw and so real. And you get an opportunity to, whenever I watch him on screen, you get that chance to experience everything that he's going through. And I think also. So I think Hugh Jackman, um, terrible names, but who <laughs> plays this character? Just. Adds so much to him to his character, um I love you know watching the watching reading about the backstory um you know learning a little bit about learning a lot about I should say his life and what he went through as a child and and how that followed him um so that's that's really cool for me to watch another character that I really enjoy um come to think of it who has you know a lot of backstory, a lot of death is Batman <laughs> so that's another one of mine so those that. Those are my two answers for now. Oh, that's
5: awesome. All right, so that pretty much wraps up the interview. So you guys, tell us where we can find you, where we can find the Kickstarter campaign, and any last thoughts that you'd like to throw us as well.
2: Uh, Uh, Last thoughts? Go ahead. Yeah, actually, I wanted to say something, because you came up with a great idea, and I'm going to put it on my – I'm going to make it a part of the Kickstarter uh, tomorrow. I'll develop a – some, a, a tag for it and put it into the Kickstarter as a, a reward incentive. Um, anybody who donates can donate $1,000 that wants to get a spotlight on their business or a spotlight on themselves, I will personally work up a piece of art for them, uh, modeling a character, turning them into a superhero or something, and modeling them after the, the superhero that they want to be, or create one that they want to be, and, uh, and that they can use in an ad to advertise whatever business idea, whatever business concept they have. So that is something that we can work on together. Uh, anybody who will donate $1,000 or $1,000 or more will get that, along with some other uh, add-on incentives that go along with that, such as uh, having their names listed in the credits and some other, uh, some other items that I will think of. But I will make sure that that goes up tomorrow. So that's all I have to say. Uh, Anybody who wants to uh, pledge, go to Kickstarter, look up Black Ink People of Color in Comics, and hit that button.
7: And that's what I wanted to say. I wanted to thank everyone. If there's anybody who's listening who is already a backer, I'd like to thank each and every person who has backed us so far. If you are listening to this past podcast and you are inspired to donate, again, please go to the Kickstarter page, click the search icon, go to Black Ink, People of Color and Comics and back us we need all of your support um if were to get overfunded that would be fantastic because that means that some things that you didn't count (laughs) into this um into this budget you'd be able to to you know pay for certain such as checking luggage and things of that sort so um again thanks everybody for listening and we appreciate your support
2: thank you thanks jessica
5: Greg and faith thank you so much for joining us thank you Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank
2: you. Goodbye.
1: Actor Ernie Hudson has appeared on dozens of films and television shows. You know him best as playing Winston in the Ghostbusters series franchise. And currently you can find him in three TV shows: one on network television, cable television, and live streaming. You can currently find him on APB. It's in its 11th week, airing Monday, April 17th, and the final episode of Season 1 is set for Monday, April 24th. Also, Ernie stars in the high-profile Netflix series, Grace and Frankie, as Lily Tomlin's love interest. And on Graves on Epics, where he plays Nick Nolte's Fix-It Man. Check out this one-on-one interview with Karan.
0: Hey guys, it's Karan with the Black Girl Nerds Podcast, and you know, we've had some very special times together, but our guest today really needs no introduction, and in his own words, when it comes to the craft of acting, there are some who spend their lives studying it and those who spend their lives doing it. So I say, when you want it done, who are you going to call? I am calling the esteemed artist of Stage and Screen. It is an honor to have Mr. Ernie Hudson with us welcome
3: well thank you it's great to be with you
0: <laughs> now mr hudson you are a very busy man you are currently in three series
3: yeah yeah I, you know it's um it's a good time right now and uh, i'm i'm having fun in a different way than i have in the past and um just very very thankful
0: how how is it different how is the fun different for you this time
3: Well, I think up until now, I have four sons and uh, 20 years uh, difference between them. And so it seems I've always been into diapers or or college (laughs) tuitions, um, you know, mortgages. And uh, finally, I'm at a point in life where I don't have those kind of concerns. All the kids are grown up and um, because you always need money, but I don't have to feel the need to work just in order to work. And so, trying to find work now because I'm it's certainly not thinking of any kind of retiring, but finding the work that's fun to do and the things, the stories that I want to be a part of, um, that's a little bit different. Because there are times when i you know, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta pay the mortgage.
0: Absolutely, it's a different kind of freedom, though, isn't it? I have grown children too, so I'd certainly understand. Yeah, it is.
3: <laughs> also, I think that you reach a point where you realize that you're never going to get the money that you thought you might or mm. that you want. And so maybe it's time to be content with what
2: you have.
0: Well, Ernie, you are currently starring in one of the shows that I really am enjoying is called APB and it airs Monday nights on Fox. Can you tell us a little bit about your character?
3: Yeah. You know, I, I um, I read the script and I was so, um, excited about the script, more so than the character. Uh, I love the idea of um, policing um, being able to have access to uh, some of this modern technology. Um, We're still dealing with policing as, um, you know, a separate entity from the community Mm -hmm. and, you know, more force, more jails, more all that stuff um, sounds maybe good to some people, but it doesn't work. It's not very effective. And so uh, we see the problems that are coming out of it, which is devastating to certain communities. So when this script, I read the script, and about, it shows about a billionaire who kind of comes in and he brings all these high-tech toys that exist now, but our um, police departments and, um, in fact, the public really hasn't had access to this technology, which is too bad. It seems like it's only been available for the wealthy or,
0: mm-hmm.
3: you know, these big corporations. So... Um, the idea of being able to uh, have some way of connecting the community with the police in a real way. That was very exciting. And then, you know, the, the character uh, that play a guy who's a career police officer who's been there for a long time, who's um, had to answer to someone else is now made uh, the captain of the department. And so he gets to call uh, a lot of the shots and, um, and you know, so it's a, it's a it's a fun character to play. I, I I get his humanity and that doesn't always come through in some of the a lot of the African American characters that they write.
0: That's very true. It it really is an interesting take on a solution or different solutions to law enforcement. One of the things I love about the show is that in every episode, you learn something from both sides, how technology can help bridge that gap and how we can learn a little bit more about each other and how we behave and listen to one another that that could create some of those solutions.
3: Yeah. And I think it was kind of very timely because so many things were happening in our country, You know, these past elections and uh, people feeling uh, they don't want to continue with what was and Mm -hmm. they want to change, but not sure what that change is and how technology affected those elections. And, you know, what is that? I mean, these hackers, these people, you know, they toast, but who's on top of that? I mean, it's it's just uh, there's a lot going on. So, of course, it's a show that's meant to be entertaining, but it's still uh, on a certain level address some of that. And I was excited about that.
0: I had to get that little dig in about who you're going to call. Cause Mr. Hudson, you have been a part of my life for so many years and you have given us so much. So I want to say oh, well, thank, thank you. you to you for your contribution because your body of work is something that we rarely see.
3: Well, thank you. It's um, you know, I think when you, when you're working, you don't think about, you know, a body of work, but uh, you just love the work, and I've been very blessed, too. There have been periods when, you know, things, some of the roles haven't been as fulfilling as others, but I've always been blessed to be able to do what I love to do and not have to worry about making a living doing something else. So um, so acting has been really uh, a blessing for me, and I'm very, very thankful.
0: Is it true that you started as a writer?
3: I did start as a writer, and, um, uh, but my marriage ended and I became a single dad. Mm-hmm. And writing is one of those crafts that, um, you know, it, you got to sell it and you, you it, it's just hard to control. Whereas acting for me was uh, I go in and uh, if I get the job, I get paid. And it's immediate because by the time they call me in, they're ready to go. So, um, if I do this job, I can pay my rent. Whereas writing, we take meetings mm-hmm. and we, you know, uh, might be two three years before anything comes out of it. Uh, I wish I had, um, kept writing on a regular basis. And so as I'm older now, it's harder to get back to, but, um, but acting really became uh, what I do. I, I think, um, it took me a long time to accept that. I, I I think I put writing on a higher level than acting in my own mind. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I'm an actor. That's that's what I do.
0: Through and through. And I mentioned that you star in three shows right now. We have APB on Fox. You're also yeah. playing on Grace and Frankie with Lily Tomlin.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's funny. Yeah, it's three different shows and it's three different characters. And I, I'm very thankful to be able to sort of play all three. I love working on Grace and Frankie. Um, You know, Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Martin Sheen, Uh Sam Watterson. These are people I've watched my entire career and I have so much respect for what they do, Uh, especially Lily Tomlin. She's so down to earth and so giving. And what I loved about Marta uh, Kaufman, who um, created Friends and she created this show um, and she, uh, she cast me in a show uh, called uh, Call Me Crazy where Jennifer Hudson played my daughter, and that's when we first worked together. But uh, she brought this character to me that is just a guy. I like, uh, as an African-American man, so much of what I am asked to do, it's playing something, playing angry, playing, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, it's the real humanity doesn't get a chance to come through um, because the story is being told by somebody else, and you're just there to play that note. Right. But uh, and Grayson Frankie is just a guy who's you know has lived a good life and he likes this lady because she is kind of uniquely who she is and um, thirty years ago uh, he might have chosen uh, a mate for other reasons mm-hmm. but um, he just likes her and uh, and I think his humanity comes through and I think that's really important because that is the thing that we we ultimately share and and that's the thing you want to bring to an all your characters but but especially like the Grayson Frankie uh, uh, doing that and the show Graves with Nick McNulty and Celia Ward you know yeah that's an Mm epic and it's a political insider Um, the first season they they included the character but I think the character is going to be more fleshed out in the season coming up and um, uh, but I like, uh, the idea of a guy who's, you know, one of those Washington insiders mm-hmm. and who knows how to compromise and, and get things done. And of course APB, which is really where my heart is. I think, uh, here's a guy who's a part of a community that has been un- underserved by the police and, um, and yet he's a policeman and so, but he still lives in that neighborhood and, um it's important that, um, these changes, uh, you know, get a chance to work for him. And so, uh, I think he sees himself a bit of a father figure to some of the young people coming in, but he recognizes that his time is limited mm-hmm. and, uh, and we need to make way for the new.
0: Well, I can tell you this from my heart to yours, as long as you are on, I am going to be watching. These are three fantastic shows. I'm really enjoying APB. I'm I'm enjoying Grace and Frankie and Graves. And I want to thank you for being here today. Any final words for our Black Girl Nerds audience?
3: Well, you know, I I just, um, I think it's very important that we remember that um, this, all of this, you know, everything that's going on, it's ours. We need to include it uh, in APB. The captain, the role I play, he keeps talking about this is, you know, my neighborhood, my district. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a part, you know, this is ours, and we need to claim it. And we need to realize that we we have a shot at whatever we, you know, of winning, of of achieving what we want to. And I really think it's important uh, that we remember to return home. So many of us left our communities, and uh, there's still people back there struggling, and we need to support those people. I don't necessarily mean move back to someplace, but definitely uh, return home to our cousins and our aunts and mm-hmm. our uncles and show that support because, um, you know, we're all in this together, and uh, and we all need each other.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ernie Hudson, thank you so much.
3: Thank you. Great talking to you.
1: Own a piece of history and learn more about these real-life hidden figures in the free booklet included inside limited quantities of DVDs and Blu-rays. Available at select stores nationwide. Hidden figures now available on digital HD, Blu-ray and DVD. Black Girl Nerds Podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax. Various episodes are edited by Jamie Brodnax, Mr. Daniel, and John Bauer. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find episodes of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spreaker, and Spotify.
0: That was a HeadGum Podcast.